Welcome to the radio program, Why Paul? Bringing and interpreting the doctrine Jesus Christ presented through the Apostle Paul. Your hosts are Michael R. Mix, Michelle Mix, and Pamela Lampton of 14th Street Ministries. We are here to bring you the answers found in 2 Timothy, verse 2, and encourage you to teach and share this program with others. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Mix, Michelle Mix, and Pamela Lampton. And welcome back. And we're so glad to have back um, David uh, Reed with us. Uh, He leads the Columbus Bible Church that's located in Columbus, Ohio. So welcome back. And, you you know, not welcoming you back as a uh, guest. We're welcoming you back as a co-host. So, uh, yeah. All right. (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate that. I got a promotion. Nice. (laughs) And I'm your host. And I'm your host, Michelle Mix. And I'm your host, uh, Michael Mix. And I'm your host, Pam Lampton. Okay, and, and, and I'll go ahead and open in prayer, and then we're okay. going to get started today. Uh, Jesus, we thank you. Um, we just thank you for this day, and we thank you for um, the time that we have available to uh, speak with everyone throughout the world. Um, to every listening ear, we pray uh, blessings to each person, and we pray that the Holy Spirit will speak um, to each person individually, that they um, hear what um, they need to hear uh, from your word today, and in your word, not ours. And uh, we thank you again for this opportunity we have to speak to everyone. And we pray all this in your name, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. And so today, again, we do have um, David uh, read with us. And as you can see behind me, we have a chart that if you're listening to us on Facebook Live, uh, you'll have that chart. If you scroll down, you'll be able to follow along with us on the chart. Uh, so we'll go over the chart. And those listeners who, you know, don't see us visually, they'll be able to follow along, you know, as you describe the um, rightly dividing the word of truth chart of dividing the word of truth. How could they find that chart on the internet? Uh, so one place you can find it is if you go to the Columbus Bible org website, we have the chart on the, on the website. You're free to look at it there or download it. However you want. Great. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. okay. All right, David. Ready right. to go. Okay. <laughs> you see, I have a question uh, to begin with. Why do, why do we need to rightly divide the word of truth? What difference does it make? Th- that's and, a question. Okay. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. And that's why Paul. Amen. Why the, why the program's named Why Paul. Uh, I'll, I'll not, tell you. And not lifting up Paul, but <laughs> lifting up our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That, that is what we're here to do. When I was saved, you know, about a million years ago, uh, I was under the impression that the Bible was God's love letters to man, and you could just open it and read anywhere, and wherever you turned, it was speaking to you. But as I read the Bible, I realized that that was a romantic notion. Uh, it was not the way the Bible was structured. So turn with me to Genesis 1, if you would. Genesis chapter 1. <clears throat> now, we are turning there. I'll just make this point. You can see behind Michelle, you can see the timeline. And just to do this simply, you see the, 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 the black headers at the top, time passed, but now, ages to come. Mm-hmm. Time passed is past. 
but now is present. Ages to come is future. All of us understand that instinctively. We understand the past, we understand the present, we understand the future. Well, the Bible is laid out that way as well. And the simple fact of the matter is it says different things to different people. So look at Genesis one twenty nine. Genesis one twenty nine, and God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the, which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you, it shall be for meat. And the word meat means food. It can be used sometimes not to refer always to animal flesh, but it can just mean food. Well, Genesis one twenty nine, God's instructions to Adam was that he was to eat a, a vegetarian diet. All, all he ate was plants, according to Genesis one twenty nine. But compare that with Genesis 9. So Genesis 9 is only eight chapters later, same book, but notice that it says something different. Genesis 9, verse 3. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. Get Leviticus 11. Now, we... The, th- this program does not believe the Bible has errors. This program believes that God spoke his word and his word is accurate. Absolutely. So what we're showing you here is we're not showing you mistakes and we're not showing you errors, but we are showing you the fact that God's word says different things to different people at different times because it, it does. Leviticus 11 verse 2, speak unto the children of Israel saying, these are the beasts which ye shall eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. Whatsoever parteth the hoof and is cloven footed and cheweth the cut among the beasts, that shall ye eat. Nevertheless, these shall ye not eat of them that chew the cud or of them that divide the hoof. As the camel, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. Now get First Timothy 4. And while you're getting First Timothy 4, let's make sure we, we understand what we've seen. Genesis 1 God says eat a vegetarian diet. Genesis 9 says you can eat not only all plants, you can eat all animals. Leviticus 11 has some more complicated rules because there are some beasts that are clean and there's some beasts that are not clean. And then 1 Timothy 4, notice what it says. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 4. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. Well, that says something different than Leviticus 11. So we've seen four different instructions here. What do you do? Do you just Mm -hmm. pick the one that you like? I mean, if you're a vegan, do you say, well, I'm going to go by Genesis 1? If you don't like pork, do you go by Leviticus 11? If you're like me and you like bacon, you say, I'm going with 1 Timothy 4? I mean, do do you just make a decision based upon your whim? And I would say that that's not what you should do. The reason why it matters to rightly divide the word of truth is you have to figure out what part of the Bible is written directly to me. Obviously, it's all true, but it's not all written to the same people at the same time. The reason why Genesis had two different instructions, Genesis 1 was to Adam, Genesis 9 was to Noah. Noah was 1,650 years plus later. God had changed his dealings. He didn't contradict himself, but God has the liberty to to decide what he wants to do at different points in time. So the answer to which one of these is given for our instruction is we're not under Leviticus. We're not under the Old Testament law. We don't live in Genesis 1 before the fall. We don't live in Genesis 9. The, The part of the 
the, the Bible during which we live is known as the dispensation of grace. And the person that that was revealed to is the Apostle Paul. So 1 Timothy 4 is our instructions for today. So to answer the question in a nutshell, here's what it is. As to what difference it makes to rightly divide the word of truth, you're going to have to rightly divide the word of truth to understand what God specifically wants you to do today. And that's why it matters, because we want to know God's will, don't we? Well, then we need to know his specific instructions that apply to us today. And, and you hear something, some people say, well, God never changes. So how do you answer that? Yeah. So Malachi says, I am the Lord, I change not. And Hebrews says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it is a true statement that God's character never changes. God never ceases to be God. God never ceases to be holy. He never ceases to be just. But his dealings with man change. And, and by, so take a simple example. Should God have dealt with man exactly the same way before and after the fall? I mean, before the fall, he was allowed to eat from the tree of life and live forever. After the fall, God said, no, I'm not going to let you do that. Things have changed. So while God himself in his person does not change, his dealings with frail man changes. And that's perfectly appropriate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And also, like you were saying before the fall and um, Adam his diet was vegetarian diet. Um, That's right. And we are, after the fall, we die. We're dying. Our bodies are dying. Mm-hmm. The diet's going to change as well. Yeah. Yes. That's right. So, um, things, you know, th- things change. As God has purposes he's accomplishing. And, and so, he has his dealings with man change over time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Um what is the difference between prophecy and mystery? So let's turn to two passages. Get with me Acts chapter 3 and Romans chapter 16. Acts 3 and Romans 16. So Acts chapter 3, we'll look at verse 19. Now, this is Peter speaking in early Acts. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Now, notice verse 21. Whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things. Notice, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So God has spoken of those things by the mouth of his holy prophets, and it says, since the world began. Now compare that with Romans 16 in verse 25. Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel, the my there is Paul, and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, Acts 3 was about the prophets. Romans 16 is about the mystery. And then notice what it says here, which was kept secret since the world began. Well, Acts 3 and Romans 16 say something very different. Acts 3 says it was spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. It was declared. It was spoken. Romans 16.25 says it was kept secret. The mystery was a secret. Prophecy was revealed. 
So let me give you a simple comparison. The nature of what prophecy is, is it's, it's prediction. It's telling in advance. The Bible is a book of prophecy. There's no other book on earth that is like it because the Bible is written by God. And since God knew the end from the beginning, he could write and say, the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. The Messiah will be from the tribe of Judah. The Messiah will be from the house of David. And when you go through the Old Testament, there's prophecy after prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that tells you that it wasn't written by a man. It was written by God because he had perfect knowledge of how everything would happen. Well, prophecy is foretelling. It's declaring in advance. And that's why humans can't do it. We just recently had the Super Bowl, and and obviously no one knows beforehand what's going to happen. No one knows even a, a an hour beforehand, how the game's going to turn out. Well, God does things where he declares hundreds, thousands of years in advance, how things are going to be. That's what prophecy is. But mystery is keeping a secret. And the key to understanding the Bible, the reason why this program is named Why Paul, is there was mystery information, hidden information that God did not reveal for thousands of years until he revealed it to Paul. And so there's a fundamental distinction in the Bible between prophecy, things that are declared in advance, and mystery, things that are kept secret until the very moment that God wants to reveal it. Very good. Yeah, and that make, that makes sense, and makes sense as far as uh, why Paul. So um, my question is, did uh, Peter and Paul preach the same gospel? People wonder about that. Get with me Galatians chapter 2. What I I learned years ago, and I I thought this was true at the time because it seemed right to me, but I thought that there was only one gospel in the Bible, and everyone taught the same gospel, and in time past, people were saved looking forward to the cross, just as we are saved looking backward to the cross, and everyone believed the same thing. And I believed that for a while, and then I realized that's not what the Bible says. So look at me at Galatians chapter 2, verse 7. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, the me is Paul because Paul wrote Galatians, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. So now if we just pause there, Paul says he has the gospel of the uncircumcision. Peter says he has the gospel of the circumcision. So if words mean things, which obviously they do, circumcision and uncircumcision are not the same thing. The prefix un, U-N, means not. So something that is unusual is not usual. Well, circumcision and uncircumcision do not mean the same thing. You can't be both. So when Paul says, I had the gospel of the uncircumcision, Peter had the gospel of the circumcision, in that single verse, It's a proof that there's more than one gospel in the Bible. And the word gospel means good news. Well, is God allowed to have more than one item of good news? Sure he is. It's it's up to him. So there are different gospels in the Bible, and Peter and Paul did not preach the same gospel. There are some elements, there are some truths that were the same. Did they both preach Jesus Christ? Yes. Did they both preach that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes. But did they preach the exact same gospel? Not according to Galatians chapter 2. Look at me at verse 8. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, 
The same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. So verse 7 said they had different gospels, and verse 8 said they had different audiences. So Mm -hmm. Peter had the gospel of the circumcision, and he went to Israel, which makes sense because Israel had circumcision. Paul had the gospel of the uncircumcision, and he went to Gentiles, which makes sense because Gentiles historically were uncircumcised. Look at verse 9, which sums it up. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me. See, there was a special grace, a special revelation given to Paul. They gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen and they unto the circumcision. Everything in the Bible is true. We're not saying any of it is wrong, but there are different gospels. And so it is essential to know which gospel is for us today. Uh, you know, just to use a, a, a simple example, if I were to say, God, I've read Genesis and I want to be faithful like Noah. So I'm going to go build an ark and I'm going to emulate Noah. Well, you and I both know that would be foolish because God promised I'm not going to flood the earth today. So even though what Genesis says about Noah is true, it's not something I should try to apply specifically to my life. But what I should do is I should understand what gospel is meant for me, and I should believe and preach and teach that gospel. The reason why rightly dividing is so important is that we need to be believing and teaching and preaching the gospel that God intends for us today. So all of of, um, Paul's Romans through Philemon was for us to be studying as far as for us. For us, yeah. Absolutely right. Okay. Okay. So that that definitely helps out. Um, now that that went really quick, and we're already to our first break. Uh, but I think we have a lot of more questions um, on this right daily dividing. So we're going to come back, and we're going to continue with these questions um, in just a moment. Hi. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 14th Street Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. Your donations are most appreciated. You can make donations on our website at 14thstreetministries.com. Our goal is to preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. Our message is to lift the believer, teaching sound doctrine by rightly dividing the word of truth. We are a grace ministry. You can reach out to us by calling 314-243-3779 or by contacting us on the web at 14thstreetministries.com or follow our Facebook page. Look for 14th Street Online Bible Study. We hear just be you a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show. Hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. listening to the radio program why paul if you'd like to participate in today's program call in to 1-888-346-9141 
That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Michael R. Mix at 14thStreetMinistries.com. Now back to Why Paul. And we're back. I'm your host, Michelle Mix. And I'm your host, Michael Mix. And I'm your host, Pam Lampton. And, and, we, have and we have a new co-host, right? Co-host. And I'm David Reed. I'm happy okay. to be here. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we're on um, uh, questions for the timeline, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Um, I have a question. Um, did Paul receive new revelation? This is a question that, in my personal opinion, will revolutionize or change the way you study the Bible. And um, so turn to Ephesians 3 with me, if you would. My encouragement to you would, would be this. Sit down and just read the New Testament. Read Matthew to Revelation. And if you do that, one of the things that you're going to notice is that the New Testament says different things in different places. Now, in the first part of this program, we, we covered that the Bible says different things in different places. But people often have the idea, nonetheless, that the New Testament is all the same, that all the books in the New Testament say the same thing. But if you sit down and read it, you really can't reach that conclusion. They, they teach different things. And so the question that Michael has raised about did Paul have new revelation is, in my opinion, the answer to that question is the key to understanding the New Testament. And so we're going to go through Ephesians 3. We're going to go through verses 1 through 9. And I'm going to preview it by saying this. My, my view is that you're going to see, as we look at those nine verses, that Paul absolutely had new information that no one had before him. And so let's see if that's true, because if that's true, that, that should profoundly affect how you study the Bible. So Ephesians 3.1, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Verse 2, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word. Within Christianity, there is debate about dispensationalism, and many will say that dispensationalism didn't exist until it was invented in the 1800s, that before that it was simply unknown until some men created it. Well, the first thing to notice is that Ephesians 3, 2, the word dispensation has been in the English Bible for hundreds of years. And of course, it's based upon the Greek word that the original manuscripts were written in. What I'm saying, in other words, is the the concept of dispensations has always been in the New Testament. There are times where men have ignored it or not given it the attention they should have. But when people say dispensationalism was invented in the 1800s, that's just, it's not so. The concept has always been there. Now, notice carefully the language of verse 2. The dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word. So it was given to Paul, and it wasn't given to Paul for him to put in a safe deposit box. It was given to Paul to you word so that he would take it and that he would then distribute it, that he would then convey that information to other people. Now, the other thing we learned from that is it was given me. Well, it was if it was given Paul, then it wasn't given to others before him. Now, if you're wondering if that's really true, look at verse 3. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. 
See, what happens a lot of time is people think that Paul, he was just the last apostle. That in other words, the 12 were preaching the gospel and Paul was persecuting the church, but then God saved him and he started preaching the exact same gospel that he was persecuting. That's what people sometimes think. But what does that verse say? How that by revelation, he may known unto me the mystery. Now think about this with me. Did Paul, even before he was saved, have a clear understanding of Peter's gospel? And the answer to that, in my opinion, is yes. And the reason why is the reason he was persecuting the kingdom church was because of their doctrine. In other words, when Paul was persecuting the church in early Acts, was he persecuting them because he didn't like Jewish people? Well, he was a Jew. He wasn't persecuting them because of their ethnic background. The reason he was persecuting them is he was familiar with their doctrine and thought it was heresy. He thought it was error. He thought it was worthy of being punished. Now, what's my point? Look at verse three, how that by revelation, well, if Paul had to receive it by revelation, that it can't be the same thing as Peter's preaching because Paul already was very familiar with that. He was so familiar with it that he hated it and persecuted it even unto strange cities is what the scriptures say. Now we know here, he made, let me just read it again, verse three, how that by revelation, he made known unto me the mystery. So we're going to come back to Ephesians three, but get first Corinthians chapter two, first Corinthians chapter two. First Corinthians two gives us the Bible definition of what a mystery is. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom. That's what a mystery is. It's wisdom, but it's wisdom that God has hidden, that he's kept secret for a period of time until that moment that he wants to reveal it. If you recall, we were earlier in Romans 16 and it talked about the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. God had that information the whole time and he was waiting, 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 waiting. And when he saved the apostle Paul, he was now at the point where he wanted to reveal it, but he had kept it secret for thousands of years because it was hidden wisdom. Now notice something with me in verse seven. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What that verse is saying is that if the mystery had been revealed to Satan or any of the, you know, the rebellious angels in heaven, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So this mystery was kept so secret, not only did man not know it, Satan didn't know it, none of the angels knew it, it was known only to God himself until that moment in time when he decided to reveal it to Paul. Look with me, go back with me to Ephesians chapter three, verse three. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Now notice verse five, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. 
So Isaiah didn't know it. Jeremiah didn't know it. Daniel didn't know it. Peter didn't know it. No one knew it because it was a mystery that was kept secret since the world began. It was impossible for men to know because God hadn't revealed it. Now, just ponder that with me just for a minute. If they didn't know it, they couldn't have been preaching it. See, what people often say is they say, well, Peter and the 12, they preach the exact same gospel as Paul. Well, that can't be true because if Paul has information never before known, then Peter and the 12 couldn't have been preaching it. It's just, it's just simply impossible. Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The holy apostles and prophets there would be Paul and those that were preaching the mystery program. It would not include those under the kingdom program. And I'll show you that. Look at verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So the mystery that's described in verse 3, you'll notice that it's one continuing sentence. And then in verse 6, it says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. So note, keep, we're coming back here, but get Matthew 15. Get Matthew 15. And sometimes people have the idea that the, the great division in the Bible is between Malachi and Matthew 1. And that's Matthew 1 is the point where everything changes, but it's just not so. Look with me at Matthew 15, verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan, so this is a Gentile woman, came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. So when the woman of Canaan speaks to the Lord, she understands who he is. She calls him thou son of David. And she says, I need help. My daughter is vexed with the devil. Verse 23, but he answered her not a word. Isn't that shocking? Mm-hmm. He, he, he doesn't even respond to her. And his disciples came and besought him saying, send her away for she crieth after us. So she goes to the Lord. The Lord she says, help, my daughter is vexed with the devil, which that's a pretty legitimate request. If you're vexed with the devil, you would want God to help you. He doesn't even respond to her. So the, the Gentile woman, the woman of Canaan, goes to the disciples and says, would you get his attention? Because I've got a serious problem here and I need help. And, and it's, I understand why she did it. The disciples go to the Lord and they say, look, please help her. She's wearying us. Verse 24, but he answered and said, I am not sent, but on the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, I can't help this lady. I'm sure she's a very nice lady, but I'm not sent unto her. I'm sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Verse 25, then came she and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. Is this woman acting in good faith and good conscience and sincere? I mean, she sure seems to be, right? She recognizes him as the Lord. Verse 26, but he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. What did he just say? <laughs> I mean, what he basically just said, he earlier said, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I can't help this Gentile woman. I didn't even answer it first. She asked me again, and what I tell her is, I cannot take the blessings of the children and feed them to dogs. He's telling her she's a Gentile dog, and I cannot help you. 
That's what he's saying. Verse 27, and she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. See, in verse 27, she didn't argue with the Lord. She didn't say, Lord, that's not true. I'm a Gentile. I'm just as good as anyone in Israel. You should treat me the same. That's not what she says. She says, truth, what you spoke, Lord, is 100% true. But as a Gentile dog, I can be blessed through Israel. I can eat the crumbs. Notice verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now, let's make sure we understand what Matthew 15 just told us. The minute that the woman of Canaan approached him the way that she needed to in time past, right? In time past, the chart behind Michelle, you can see the top blue line is Israel. The, blo- the bottom blue line is Gentiles. Is there a difference in time past between Israel and Gentiles? Yes. One group is God's chosen people and the other is not. When the, the woman of, of Canaan approaches the Lord and, and, and says, yes, I, I realize I can only eat the crumbs, and she's approaching him in the, in the God-ordained method under time past, under the Old Testament, what does he say? Done. But she had to approach him the way that was in effect at that time because Jesus Christ was not going to violate the principles of God's word. Now think about Matthew 15 and go back to Ephesians 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and notice what it says. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. Well, were the Gentiles fellow heirs in Matthew 15 when the, the Lord says to the Gentile woman, he can't take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs? See, in time past, there was a very clear separation between Jew and Gentile. So now this is tricky. Michelle, can you move just a little bit so they can see right behind you? So right behind Michelle, you can see where the blue line slopes down, the the top blue line, and then there is a flat blue line at the bottom. Mm -hmm. What that is showing is that although in time past, there was a distinction between Jew and Gentile, the Jew had the superior position. What has happened during the dispensation of grace is that God has made them equal. And today, during the dispensation of grace, there is neither Jew nor Greek. They are the same. They have equal direct access to God. Wasn't true in time past, but is true today. That is the mystery that was revealed to Paul. That's not what Peter taught. So look with me then, if you would, at verse 7. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, verse 8 is a key verse. It says that Paul preached among the Gentiles, and it says that he preached the unsearchable riches of Christ. Get Matthew 10. Matthew 10 and Romans 11. Matthew 10 and Romans 11. So Matthew 10, verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. When the Lord sends out the 12, he specifically commands them, Go not 
into the way of the Gentiles, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Paul just said in Ephesians 3.8 that he would preach among the Gentiles. That's not the same thing. Get with me Romans 11. Romans chapter 11. And in Romans 11, please notice verse 13. For I speak to you Gentiles. Paul says he spoke to Gentiles. The Lord commanded Peter not to go to Gentiles. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. An apostle is someone who is sent. That's what the word means. So when Paul says, I am the apostle of the Gentiles, he's saying, I have been sent to the Gentiles. Peter was commanded not to go into the way of the Gentiles. What that tells you is Peter and Paul fundamentally have different ministries and they are not the same. Now, notice something in verse 13. Inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. This is really important. When you teach right division, people will say, you worship Paul. You make too much of Paul. We don't worship Paul the man. We don't magnify Paul the man. But we magnify his office. If God chose someone to give him information, you best pay heed to that, right? In other words, what would happen in the Old Testament if I said, I'm not going to follow the Old Testament law. I'm not going to follow Moses. I'm going to follow God. If you reject Moses, who God gave the revelation to, you're rejecting God. Well, the same thing is true today. God gave specific revelation to Paul. And so if we are going to please God, we need to recognize that he gave that information to Paul. And we have to believe the word. That's right. So that takes us to Ephesians 3, verse 8. Um, We have a break coming up. There's a little more we have to say, so we'll come back to that. Yeah. Boy, Dad, you asked a doozy of a question there. So we're going to come back to hear the rest of that uh, just after this break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 14th Street Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. Your donations are most appreciated. You can make donations on our website at 14thstreetministries.com. Our goal is to preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. Our message is to lift the believer, teaching sound doctrine by rightly dividing the word of truth. We are a grace ministry. You can reach out to us by calling 314-243-3779 or by contacting us on the web at 14thstreetministries.com or follow our Facebook page. Look for 14th Street Online Bible Study. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. 
If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com and the Voice America Empowerment Channel. are listening to the radio program why paul if you'd like to participate in today's program call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 or send an email to michael r mix at 14th street ministries.com now back to why paul and welcome back and we'll uh quickly jump back into these questions uh, these are very informed questions. We have our timeline behind us. If you're on our Facebook Live, that you can uh, see the timeline that we're talking about. So I'm your host, Michelle Mix. And I'm your host, uh, Michael Mix. I'm your host, Pam Lampton. I'm David Reed. Happy to be here. Okay. Thank you. All right. So, um, uh, Dad, you asked a really um, good question. You said, did Paul receive new revelation? And I think we had a little bit more about that. Yeah, we were going through Ephesians 3, 1 through 9, and we had, we had left off at verse 8. And in verse 8, Paul says, Unto me, Paul, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ? And so what we saw right before the break is that when Paul says that he preached among the Gentiles, that is fundamentally different from Peter, because Peter was told not to go to the Gentiles. Peter was not to go to the Gentiles. Meanwhile, Paul was the apostle who was sent to the Gentiles. It tells you those ministries have to be different. But notice with me the very last phrase of Ephesians 3, verse 8. Paul said that he preached the unsearchable riches of Christ. Get with me John 5 for a minute. John chapter 5. Now, John 5 is during the Lord's earthly ministry. And in John 5, he is dealing with some folks who do not believe his teaching. Notice what he says to them in verse 39. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Now, when he says, search the scriptures, he's obviously talking about the Old Testament scriptures. And what he's saying there is absolutely fascinating. He's talking to people that claim to believe the Old Testament, and yet they don't believe him. So what he's in effect saying to them is, you guys claim to believe the Old Testament, but you're rejecting what I'm telling you. Well, search it. Search the scriptures, for in them you think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. In other words, here's what he's really saying. If you were alive during the Lord's earthly ministry and you didn't believe what he was telling you, and he tells you to search the Old Testament, you did that, you would find that the Messiah will be from the tribe of Judah. He will be from the house of David. He will be born of a virgin. 
he will be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver, not 29 pieces of gold. He will be born in Bethlehem. And you'll go through prophecy after prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. And so anyone who is familiar with the Old Testament, when they see Jesus of Nazareth show up, what they should realize is this is who the Old Testament's been about. He fulfills all of these things. So what the Lord says in John 5 is consistent with prophecy, because what is prophecy again? Prophecy is foretelling. It's the declaration of things in advance. If you read the Old Testament, you should understand that Jesus is the Christ. The reason the wise men were able to show up where they were is they read and believed the Old Testament, and they knew where he would be. Right. Now, now contrast that with what Paul says, Ephesians 3.8 that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Something that is unsearchable is not searchable. And the reason why Paul's riches of Christ that he preached cannot be found in the Old Testament is they're not there. If you go up to verse 3, have that by revelation he may known unto me the mystery— that doesn't say Paul found it in the Old Testament. It says God had to personally reveal it to him because it wasn't in Genesis through Malachi. It wasn't in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It wasn't in any of those places because it was unsearchable. It hadn't been revealed there. Now, notice with me Ephesians 3.9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Now, notice this. Which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. Now, listen, if God hid something in himself from the beginning of the world, do you think that people were smart enough to figure it out? I mean, come on, they couldn't have. So let's go back to Ephesians 3.1, and I want to do a brief recap. And the, the question that Michael asked was this, did Paul have new information? And that's either yes or no, right? Either he had something that was new or he didn't. Verse 2 says... He was given the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me. It was given to Paul, wasn't given to anyone else. Verse three, how that by revelation. Well, revelation means he didn't learn it from a man. He didn't have someone else tell him. God told him. How that by revelation, he may know unto me the mystery. The mystery is hidden wisdom on the authority of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. Verse five, which in other ages was not made known. Well, if it wasn't made known, then Paul can't be teaching the same thing as those before him taught. Verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. That's the exact opposite of what was taught in Matthew 15. Verse 8, Paul preached among the Gentiles, which Peter was told explicitly not to. He preached something that was unsearchable because it's not in the scriptures. And verse 9, the mystery from the beginning of the world was, been, was hitting God. Doesn't that prove, I don't know, six, seven different ways that the information given to Paul was not the same as Peter? They were different ministries and they had different information. And, and the reason why we spend all the time to do that is this. When people come to the New Testament, what they most often do is they say, Peter and the 12 and Paul, they teach the exact same thing. No, they don't. They teach different things. And if you try to take two things that are not the same and you force them together, that's like, I don't know if you ever did this. When I was a child, I had the little 
little block set and you have like the square block and the square hole and the, like the sil- the round block and the round hole and so on. What happens if you try to put the, the wrong block in, in, in the wrong hole, right? You're going to just mess things up. You're going to mash it together and it's a big mistake. Instead, if you let things, if you allow things to be in the position they're supposed to be, you can then rightly divide the word of truth and you can let everything that's part of the prophecy program be prophecy. You can let mystery be mystery. You can let Israel be Israel. You can let the body of Christ be the body of Christ. And everything then means literally what it says. Yep, you right. don't have to invent new meanings. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, that, that definitely explains that well. You know, remember the Tupperware ball mm-hmm. <laughs> with the shapes? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. I'm get those in there. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, I have a question. Um, what is meant by the fall diminishing of Israel and has the church replaced Israel? So Israel does diminish. So in the chart right behind Michelle, you can see where the blue line, you see where it starts to slope down right behind mm-hmm. her shoulder. See that? Oh, well done. You can see where Israel has the higher position and then it just degrades, right? Just just falls down. Well, that's the fall and diminishing of Israel. So look with me at Romans 11, and let's understand what this is. In time past, Israel had a superior position. Um, they just, they had a superior position to Gentiles because Israel was God's chosen people. But notice what Paul says in Romans 11. Verse 11, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall God forbid, but rather through their fall, so Israel does fall, mm-hmm. salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? In other words, what happens during the dispensation of grace is Israel falls from its superior position that they had in time past, and it's brought down to the point where it is the same. It's, it's equal to the Gentiles. Look with me at Romans 11, verse 25. So today, during the dispensation of grace, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Everyone today gets saved the same way, meaning that you get saved the moment you place your faith in the blood that Jesus Christ shed for your sins. Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter your gender, doesn't matter your race, doesn't matter anything. The moment that you place your faith in the blood that Jesus Christ shed for you, he saves you that instant. That's how it works today. Now, notice Romans 11.25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. See, here's some more hidden wisdom that was revealed to Paul. Lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel. So is 100% of Israel blind? No, it's blindness in part because there is part of Israel that is believing. Well, is that blindness forever? No. Blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. What happens during the dispensation of grace, which is a tremendous thing, is that Gentiles have direct access to God that they did not have in time past. Look with me at, uh, get Ephesians 2, if you would. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. 
Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. There's a difference between Gentiles and Israel in time past. Now, notice verse 12, what it says about Gentiles in time past. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. That's a pretty depressing verse, isn't it? I mean, what it says about Gentiles, at that time, they were without Christ. They were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, so they weren't part of Israel. They were strangers from the covenants of promise. God gave the promises to Israel, so the Gentiles that were outside Israel didn't have the promises. It then says they had no hope, and they were without God in the world. That's pretty rough, right? Mm -hmm. Notice verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Yep. Gentiles were far off in time past, but now we've been made nigh. And during the dispensation of grace, God's purpose is he wants to save every Jew, every Gentile that believes the gospel of Christ. And the moment they do that, he will save them forever. If you would go back with me then to Romans 11, I want to show you one more thing in Romans 11. Romans 11 verse 26. So this is right after verse 25. And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written, there shall come out of Zion, the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. God did not abandon his purposes with Israel. He put them on hold. In other words, the dispensation of grace is not the termination of Israel's program. It's the delay of Israel's program. Every promise they were ever given will be fulfilled in every absolute detail, but it has been put on hold during the dispensation of grace. God effectively called a timeout for a period of time. Notice with me verse 29, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Well, if the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, God is going to fulfill every promise he ever gave to Israel. They will receive everything that he told them. He has just simply changed the time in which they receive it. So let me, let me put it this way. Since we are blessed to live during the dispensation of grace, we live during a time of grace and peace. We live during a time where it's not we're Gentile dogs, like in Matthew 15. We live in a time where we have direct access. And so what needs to happen mm -hmm. is people need to believe the gospel today and be saved. Now is a wonderful time to be saved because it's a free gift. All that you have to do is believe that Christ died for your sins, was buried, rose again the third day. The moment you trust that blood payment that Christ shed for you, you're saved. Mm -hmm. Easy. Free gift. Amen. Yep. For, all, for all who they believe. Instant and forever. Yep. That's good. Just like the uh, thief on the cross. He didn't have time to go out and do any works. It was right. instant for him. Mm -hmm. We're so, not demanded to do any works. Right. Uh, it's instant, and for us to believe that. And so, David, we appreciate you answering all these questions, but I'm sorry to tell you, but we still have some more questions on this uh, because we still have Bud now and ages to come. So we would like to be able to continue this. So if you, everybody joins us again, uh, we'll, we're going to get to the bottom of the rest of this, the Bud now and ages to come. Next, next Tuesday. Week. Yep, yep, next Tuesday. Sounds Ryan, great. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you. Goodbye. You have
have been listening to Why Paul. Visit us on the web at 14thStreetMinistries.com. And please join Michael R. Mix, Michelle Mix, and Pamela Lampton again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for more thoughts and wisdom. Also, be sure to tell everyone about our program. 